This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We wish you a warm welcome from the Internet and Radio Ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We've been studying the first book of St. John in our series, Deeper. Please stay with us today as we talk about some deeper truths John shares with us in our message entitled, The Deepest Truth of All. So what do you believe about Jesus? You see, your understanding of Jesus Christ is critical to your relationship with God. We're going to take a look at some deeper truths today about Jesus as we continue our sermon series, Deeper. Would you join me in a prayer? Amazing God, praise to you for your goodness and mercy. Praise to you for your patience and kindness. Praise to you for your wisdom and your power. And praise to you as you reign above all things and actively care for the world you have created. Amen. The church is one foundation. Jesus Christ, her Lord, she is his new creation, by water and the word, from heaven he came and sought her, to be his holy
We actually have three readings from the first letter of John. The first one is chapter 2, verse 22. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. The second reading, chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. And finally, chapter 4, verse 9. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ I live, there in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands for victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from him. 
returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Stephen Earl Kramer. Those were the words my mom used when she wanted my absolute attention and obedience. It was always said with a certain tone and intensity. So I knew when she spoke them that this is serious. I'd better listen up and watch myself because I might be headed towards trouble. In our passage for today from John, Pastor John is using some pretty strong, intense language in his words for today. There's some emotion behind these words, some intensity. Why the ire and the alarm? It's because this old pastor's flock was in danger. Don't mess with a pastor's flock. Someone was feeding them spiritual poison. Some really important basics of the Christian faith were being questioned. And in John's mind, there are some things for which you have to use strong, intense language to make your point get across to people and get their attention, such as calling those that were giving these crazy teachings liars and antichrists. You see, there's a battle going on for the soul. The problem? The identity of Jesus has been called into question. The truth about Jesus is up for grabs. And whenever that happens in the church, people get confused and knocked off track. False teachers and false claims, leaders of movements making claims that they're the Messiah, had come upon the scene. By the way, Jesus had told the disciples this would happen when he was with them. So John wasn't so much surprised as just irate as a protective pastor. These so-called religious experts were teaching some awful untruths. These preachers, these teachers with a certain charisma and charm were causing problems in the church. And John, of course, is upset about that. I love the way Eugene Peterson captures that in his paraphrase of the New Testament book that we call The Message. Listen to this. He says, my dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in this world. Still the truth even today. At that time, people were denying that Jesus is the Christ. As people still deny that today. Denying that he was the Messiah, that God had promised his people, the one that the Old Testament pointed towards. There were other preachers that were denying the divinity of Jesus. He's just a man, they said. He's a good teacher, went a little crazy at the end. He was delusional. Others were denying the humanity of Jesus, reasoning that in their own minds, that God sees the material world as something that's evil and unclean and the flesh is bad. Therefore, God would not operate like that, coming in the flesh, as the gospel says. They concocted then some sort of thinking that this was all some sort of illusion of some sort. Well, what's at stake in all this is the all-important Christian teaching on the incarnation of of Jesus Christ, his identity. 
You see, the incarnation is an all-important doctrine of the Christian faith. We celebrate it at Christmas. Christmas, you see, is more than a birthday or a holiday. It's a life-saving truth for the world. It's about the Son of God coming into our world to rescue and save. That's why we sing in the familiar Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Hail the Incarnate Deity. Christmas, you see, is not about sentiment, but salvation. It's a life-saving truth. It's interesting when you look at the Gospels and their Christmas stories. We have them in Matthew and in Luke. John, Matthew and Luke have a lot of things to think about. The angels and the shepherds and all of those things that go into the Christmas pageants that we go to. But in John's Gospel of Christmas, there's no baby in a manger, no angels, no shepherds, no talk about a virgin birth, perhaps John felt that all of this was too distracting to the main truth. So he begins his gospel, Christmas, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. He wanted to make sure that his reader didn't miss the truth about who Jesus is. That Jesus is the Son of God. First of all, that he's divine. He is God revealing himself to us in the flesh. In Jesus, we get a picture of God and what God is like. One time uh, in the upper room before Jesus was to go to the cross, uh, Philip said to him, one of his disciples, Show us a father. And Jesus said, Philip, all this time I've been with you and you still don't get it. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. So Jesus shows us what God is like. In Jesus, we see that God is compassionate toward the hurting, toward the hungry and the lowly. In Jesus, we see that God knows us and values us, that we are of more value than many sparrows. In Jesus, we find that God hates sin and death. At the tomb of his friend Lazarus, Jesus wept. His criticism of the Pharisees' hypocrisy shows us as well as our, as our evidence of how God despises sin. He forgives the sinner. We find Jesus as doing the, the gracious thing, not writing people off as lost causes that God values serving and justice and kindness, and that he is love, that he's like the most loving father imaginable. In Jesus, we see he's big, in charge of the world, with power and authority over everything, life and death and storms, you name it. He's true God in the flesh. But John points out that Jesus is also true man. He was a 100% human being, as well as 100% divine. He came in the flesh, God in the flesh. He wasn't just a spiritual apparition or, or an illusion of some sort, as those false teachers were claiming. So in Jesus, the physical creation, we see it being actually reaffirmed. Not something to be appalled by, but God actually loves his creation that he made. He loves us so much he entered into it by becoming one of us, and that has implications. What a tremendous compliment to human beings that God became one. And that God went to such drastic measures, he entered our world and became one of us, experiencing all that we experience. 
He knows how I feel. He's that great high priest who sympathizes with me because he understands what it means to hurt. He understands what it means to be disappointed. He understands what it means to be hungry or thirsty or or to have your heart broken. And not only that, we see that Jesus is the prototype, isn't he? He's what God intended for humanity to be in the first place. Loving God, loving neighbor perfectly. And John says, in Jesus, not only do we have true God and true man, in Jesus we have the perfect sinless sacrifice for humanity's sin. He's the perfect man who lived the perfect life, making him the perfect payment for human sin. As God invites us to a restored relationship with him through his Son. The last part of our text tells us that. That God in his love gave us this gift, Jesus. He's God's love gift to us that we might live through him, that we might have life instead of death. And this became possible for each one of us through the atoning sacrifice for our sins at the cross that Jesus made and the resurrection that then affirmed it. So we have three basics of the Christian faith before us in today's passage It still stands. It hasn't changed. Jesus Christ is true God. He's true man. He's God's perfect sacrificial gift of love to rescue us from sin and death. So any preaching, any teaching or talk about Jesus that is less than that is not the truth, so don't you buy it. These are lies that can be toxic to your spiritual health. Jesus is so much more than what some may say about him. He's the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He's your Savior and my Savior, and he stands alone above all others. I love this statement by John Stott. To relegate Christianity to one chapter in a book of the world's religions is to Christian people intolerable. Jesus Christ to us is not one of many spiritual leaders in the history of the world. He's not one of Hinduism's 330 million gods. He's not one of the 40 prophets recognized in the Koran. He is not even so, quote, uh, Carnegie Simpson, Jesus the Great, as you might say, or Napoleon the Great, or Alexander the Great. To us, He is the only. He is simply Jesus. Nothing could be added to that. He is unique. So if you are a Christian and someone says to you, well, Jesus was simply a great moral teacher, don't you buy it. If someone else might say, it doesn't matter what you believe just as long as you're sincere about it, don't you buy it. If someone else might uh, say, all roads lead to the same place, don't you buy it. And if someone says, well, Jesus is nice, he's a way to God, don't you buy it. He is the way. It's up to you, someone might say, to live a good life and God will welcome you in. That's all that matters. Don't you buy it. Someone might say, Jesus and your good works gets you into heaven and don't you buy it. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Instead, you hang on to Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the way of salvation, and trust in him alone for eternal life and the promise of heaven. 
give him absolute authority over you for the rest of your days. Entrust yourself to his care and serve him. Commit yourself to studying under him in the Gospels and in the letters that describe him after those Gospels. Add in some solid theological books, such as Basic Christianity by John Stott or some of the writings on Jesus by N.T. Wright. Take an Alpha course in your church on the basics of the faith in order to keep your God thinking sharp and strong so that you don't get led away from the truth, the life-giving truth of Jesus. And not only that, stand up for him. Would you stand up for Jesus, sharing him with others who don't know him yet? Don't be silent when someone comes along who contends that no one religion can know the fullness of truth. You see, your silence is affirmation. Don't be surprised when you do this sort of thing that you may be called narrow-minded or unenlightened or treated with some condescension. Jesus said that we would. And he also said, as we stood up for him, he'd stand with us. Always. You stick by him. Letting people know that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Moms and dads, teach it to your kids. That's your responsibility. Disciple them as to who this Jesus really is. With your friends, share him boldly, without apology. Give them this truth. I'm a fan of a Christian writer, Tim Keller. And in an essay in his book, A Place for Truth, Tim Keller claims that he often hears people say, I don't know which religion is true or no one can know the truth. According to Keller, this often leads to a conversation that goes something like this. Listen to him. I'm talking to someone who does not believe in Christianity or Christ. At some point, he or she responds to me suddenly, wait a minute, what are you trying to do to me? I respond, I'm trying to evangelize you. You mean you're trying to convert me? Yeah. You're trying to get me to adopt your view of spiritual reality and convert me? Yeah. How narrow, how awful. Nobody should say that their view of spirituality is better than anybody else's and try to convert them to it. No, no, no. Everybody should just leave everybody else alone. Wait a minute, I say. You want me to adopt your take on spiritual reality? You want me to adopt your view of all the various religions? What are you doing to me? What you're saying is, you have a take on spiritual reality and you think I would be better off and the world would be better off if we adopted yours. I have my take on spiritual reality and I think mine is better than yours and I'm trying to convert you to mine. So if you say don't evangelize anybody, that is to evangelize me into your Western white individual privatistic understanding of religion. Keller concludes, so who's more narrow? It's not narrow to make an exclusive truth claim because everybody, every religion makes an exclusive truth claim. Everybody has their take on reality. Everybody thinks the world would be better if people over there adopted my reality. Everybody. Narrowness is not the content of a truth claim. Narrowness is our attitude toward the people who don't happen to share our point of view. Truth is truth. 
Finally, if you're someone who's unfamiliar with what I've been talking about today and you have questions or you've had questions, I encourage you to act on this truth today and place your faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. Ask him to come into your life and take over for he holds the key to life. He's the way to God, the truth that saves, and the life with God that lasts forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the firm foundation of truth that is ours in your holy word. Help us to keep our eyes on Jesus and to stand firm on the gospel truth that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Amen. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the Internet and Radio Ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to place your faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done for you. Ask him to take over your life, for he is the way to God and the truth that saves and the life with God that lasts forever. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry supported entirely by the gifts of our listening audience. Estate gifts, large and small, are a significant part of our ministry's funding. Please consider a final gift to this important service as part of your estate planning. For more information, feel free to write us at Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. Or call us toll free at 1-888-693-2484. In the Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. We thank each of you for your gifts 
and prayers. We are excited about our redesigned, colorful new website where you can find both a printed and audio copy of today's message, as well as many recent messages. Visit us today at ChristianCrusaders.org. We are happy you were able to worship with us today and pray you will join us again next week on this station. Conducting today's service was our speaker, the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota. Christian Crusaders has been broadcasting biblical truth continuously since 1936.